and welcome to the Untapped Philanthropy Podcast. I'm your host and Flux co-founder, Corinne Mitchell. I've spent my career exploring technology's role in amplifying impact within our social sector, and more specifically, helping funders to learn to leverage technology and data to connect and better serve our collective causes, constituents, and communities. In this podcast series, my team and I will profile social sector leaders, public figures, philanthropists, and industry futurists to explore this fascinating intersection of funding, technology, and policy. We're here to analyze the most critical and formative topics and trends that shape philanthropy both today and tomorrow. We hope this series leaves you inspired to think and act through a more collective and visionary lens. This week, I'm thrilled to welcome founder and CEO at B1G1, Business for Good, Masami Sato. Masami is a two-time TEDx speaker, Amazon best-selling author, winner of the Sustainable Business Award, and the founder of the global giving movement, B1G1. Hi there, Masami. Hi, Karin. It's great to be here, too. Thank you for having me today. <laughs> Oh, I am absolutely so thrilled. And and actually, you know, let me do a little bit of background on you. Um, for those of you who are unfamiliar with B1G1, this organization is incredible. It's based in Singapore, and it collaborates with businesses worldwide under the buy one, give one model. And actually, Masami, please tell us a little bit about that, maybe about yourself, the business model, all in your own words. We'd love to learn more. Mm, so, um, yeah, you mentioned the terminology buy one, give one. So it started in 2007 with an idea, you know, of imagining a world where everything we do makes a difference. So, you know, just imagine if every time you have a cup of coffee, a child in need receives access to life-saving water, or every time you uh, read an inspiring book, then a tree gets planted. So every time you go to see a doctor or a chiropractor, or then somebody else receives access to healthcare. So B1J1 connects purpose-driven businesses that want to make a difference with meaningful giving activities around the world so that every time something happens in our day-to-day lives, then something great can also happen in the world. So that's the B1G1 kind of idea. And starting in 2007, we've worked with already thousands of businesses. And those businesses have so far created more than, I think, 240 million giving impacts to date. So that's kind of B1G1 in a nutshell. And I'm the founder. I love it. I love it. Well, I love the female founder um, story too. So we can get, we can talk more about that at some other time, but I also would love to hear a bit about like what originally made you as this founder and, and, and diving into sort of social good and uh, sustainability. What are the, what are the things that originally made you interested in that? Okay. Well, I'm uh, kind of quite a simple person. (laughs) So when uh, I was kind of starting out as a young person and I was very curious, so I had the opportunity to travel around the world and, you know, live and meet with so many different people from different backgrounds. And during that time, I was learning English and learning to really connect. I started to ask these questions about, you know, what, why these things are happening in the world. So what I actually saw was that there were, you know, lots of people around me, like my parents, who are working so hard to try to have better life or have more, you know, bigger house or better position in the company. Or so, but out of all those 
you know, effort and struggle, quite a lot of people are feeling unsatisfied or overstressed or, you know, not being really fulfilled and happy. But at the same time, I also saw that there were lots of issues in the world everywhere, uh, like environmental distractions or poverty or so when I was uh, backpacking in some of the so-called developing countries, I couldn't really understand why it was okay that even young kids, you know, couldn't stay in a safe place or go to school and complete their basic education. And they didn't have uh, opportunities to really thrive in their lives. So um, I w really wanted to make sense of it, but I couldn't. So at that time, being that simple person, I thought actually, you know, consumerism and the businesses were causing these issues. So for me to do something was to say, okay, I will stop buying stuff. <laughs> so I, at one point of time, I went to the countryside of Japan and lived with farmers for a couple of years, trying to create self-sufficient life. And then in the end of those three, two years, I realized that actually I was not right, you know, to just judge things happening because I also realized that every person I connected with along the way in my journey were actually deeply caring and they wanted to create a better life or better world or give more to the family or community or so there was lots of aspiration to create a good world. So that was then I started to think about what can be actually done. And I continued to travel, work in different countries and eventually became a mom. And finally, at that point of time, when I became a mom for the first time, and that was 20 years ago, I looked at my daughter <laughs> in my own arms and really deeply thought about, you know, what I could do in my life because I was willing to do everything for my own daughter. But then I realized that at the same time, there are lots of other kids who didn't have that same kind of opportunity that my daughter had. So I then decided to start a business and I started a food company at that time and wanted mm -hmm. to uh, grow the business to one day give back. <laughs> so that was Wonderful. kind of my yeah own endeavor into the world of business and entrepreneurship. But then realizing over the years, running my own business, that even if businesses wanted to make a difference and do something, solve problems, give back, it was all di very difficult because, you know, business owners are always so busy. So one day this very simple idea came to me and I imagined what if it was not so difficult, but if we all just did something we could do every day instead of trying to do something big in the future you know, as a result of amazing success in the future. So the buy one, give one idea of giving something every time something happens in the business uh, happened in my own company, that every meal we were selling, we decided to give a small portion of proceed to help feed a child in India you know, at that time. And so that really transformed my own thinking about the business and what we could do. And then eventually it led to the founding of B1G1 as a global giving initiative. Right. And I think what's so incredible about B1G1 is this idea of sort of an integrated approach of how you look at it from the perspective of not just philanthropy, but just looking after the ecosystem and understanding mm -hmm. that people are coming into different places to consume and engage and how to really mm -hmm. tie interesting outcomes to that. So I think that integrated concept is something that's very aspirational. I know you know, I'm speaking to you today about these business models, because even at Flux, you know, we have that similar commitment. We do, along with many other corporations in Silicon Valley, we do the Pledge 1%, which is obviously a community mm. of like-minded mm. organizations who have all committed to yeah. 1% of their product time or equity. 
And I think that the reality is it's essential to the businesses, not just to your point of doing right by the communities they serve, but it also brings this tremendous sense of, of where we sit in that interlinked world. And I think is a really nice calming sort of thing for us at Flux to say, you know what, it's walking the walk. And, you know, we're committed to philanthropy, but we do it at every level and it permeates who we are and it defines our value set as well as our actions. So I think that's really cool. And I, I know that there's probably a lot of people listening um, right now and, and a lot of guests that we've had that talk about how to walk in, you know, and innovate into, you know, from traditional philanthropic models of foundations and nonprofits and then take different stances. And I think the level of creativity that people are coming up with for these different approaches is really powerful. Talk to me a little bit about why you believe that taking a business approach to philanthropy can often be a more sustainable model, especially in countries like Japan and Singapore and places where, where it's relatively, you know, evolving to. Yeah, it's quite interesting because um, I think in my own culture, charity and charitable giving wasn't very deeply ingrained in how we run our societies. Like, so for example, in my own community where I came from, let's say if uh, there were people who had troubles and issues, then usually the neighbors and, you know, the people in the community or relatives will all come together to support that person. And then also business concept in Japan has this ingrained giving spirit or the fact that the businesses are there to really take care of people in the community and neighborhood was there. So I feel that uh, actually, like, if the world is perfectly running (laughs) and then our everyday act and our everyday business activities are all considering how to create a sustainable uh, world where everybody benefits and the people who have challenges are naturally supported in that community, then we probably don't need to really think about the philanthropy and the charitable giving because all the problems will be naturally solved by business activities or people supporting each other. So that's why I feel like the concept of business and how like embedding philanthropy naturally in the business, because what happened was over the years and decades and businesses became very, very profit centric. And what happened was because in the new way of business, we have a technology to leverage and we have also social media connections, supply chains, you know, complex distribution channels and all these things became possible. And that's why if business is only focused on maximizing their profit, then they could do so and create the massive issues. <laughs> so, right. but the thing is, yeah, so that's why philanthropy is actually currently required because there are lots of issues that nobody's interested in fixing <laughs> because there's no money in it. So right. uh, that's why, yeah, there are charitable activities that need to address these things. But at the same time, we feel that there is now that opportunity to bring, you know, all these connections back into the same ecosystem. So businesses and charities right. don't need to operate separately and try to appeal to people in different ways. But we could actually all unite. And it, by connecting these dots, then we can create a much stronger ecosystem where we can you know, build on the abundance we get to share together. So that's why I believe that the business always needs to be part of this. 
Right. And I think that's a really compelling point because when we talk about the mobilization for philanthropy, a lot of times people make the mistake of just thinking about foundations mm-hmm. and just thinking about, you know, high net wealth donors. And the truth is it's almost a trifecta of of yes, the donor side, of course, the private wealth. It's it's the public, you know, government entities coming together, but it's also mm-hmm. the businesses. And I think that trifecta, like we are if we omit that from the equation, you know, silly on us. It's an opportunity for collective thinking that needs to be able to be taking all three of those things together. And I think to your point, there's a willingness and an interest that comes from being able to align to business goals and structures that I think mm-hmm. people are looking for that integration. So I think it's absolutely brilliant how you're starting to think about that. And it's something that I think we all need to be kind of aspiring to to keep in mind as we build our own strategies. So when we talk about this idea of where this could go and, and the idea of philanthropy and charitable giving evolving into this more business approach and a sustainable business model, you know, what are some of the biggest gaps that you see that we would need mm. to address to really mobilize this? Mm. Okay, so, you know, what we are doing in B1J1, we always think about the three things that we think not meeting the full potential right now. So those are impact, habit, and connection. So first of all, impact, like, you know, when any kind of philanthropic activities can be identified as a specific impact or outcome, then there is an opportunity to really mobilize people, you know, with a uh, shared sense of mission and purpose. So that is the importance of impact. And at the same time, it's not about doing just one big thing once. Because it's so easy for us to be moved by some big events in the world. And then uh, that creates the urge or sense of uh, desire to give. But at the same time, that may not last too long. But the important issues are there, you know, sitting there. And we need to tackle those things long term. So uh, we believe that unless we change our habit and create a habit of actually making a difference, then it's very difficult to really transform bigger, complex issues. So that's the habit part. And then the third part is the connection. You know, you said it's probably, you know, not about just like a philanthropic larger foundation than the organization, high net worth individuals, because um, today more and more people actually want to do something. You know, they are happy to take part in uh, something. And when large number of people or businesses come together or our everyday small action can come together to make a difference, then even though one person's effort may not change the world, but together we really can transform things. So that sense of connection and actually linking and creating these connections across all sorts of uh, individuals and businesses and sectors and day-to-day activities, there is a power in there. So that's why we believe that the impact habit and connection, are the things that we could do more of, create more of in the philanthropic and the business space. And I think, you know, what's really interesting again, about this concept that you speak of, it's that we can start small. And you talk a lot about the power of small in many of the conversations and and, and, and honestly, so many of the amazing talks you've done and you're a prolific speaker. So this kind of idea of power of small, the small changes we can make in our lives to live more sustainably or give more freely. I know, you know, these are some of the things I, I, I think people would be really intrigued to understand. What are What are some examples of those ways that, again, when we're talking about the the evolution, what are ways that you think people could step into um, into that space? Mm, I feel that our everyday action 
and the choices are like the vote we cast to form the world and you know where the world actually goes. So we might think like I cannot do everything to change the world because everybody else is throwing rubbish or <laughs> like using unsustainable energy or so we could make excuses. But at the same time, actually, if we realize that every single action that we are taking, whether to purchase certain product or uh, go and work for certain companies or how we contribute in that company or workspace that we have or how we interact with each other, all those things are actually impacting the way that world is formed. So if we become uh, aware of those you know, power of those small things, then we can take those actions in the more mindful way. So if uh, you are part of like organization, whether it is a charity or business, then you also have the power by contributing your thoughts and ideas in making certain decisions or choosing certain ideas or models. So I, I really believe that every person really can participate in this. That's wonderful. And I mean, I think when we talk about then, you know, the the changes we'd like to see in philanthropy and, and where all those small changes amount to something kind of larger, what are you seeing or what would you like to see change or where do you think important trending topics are are moving forward in that vein? Where are you seeing that mm-hmm. amassing, if you will, of the power of small moving, moving larger? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I guess like the world is already realizing or even large companies are realizing that power of small and also the power of, for example, things like a culture, you know, where before businesses believed that it was about maximizing profit again. <laughs> and, you know, they all kind of rallied around uh, how to do this and all the MBAs learned about how to maximize the profit and you know, in developing the business. But at the same time, today, actually more companies actually see the true importance of organization culture. And, it, and it's actually almost as important or even more important as the maximization of short-term profit because actually having the right people in the workplace and those people sharing the uh, clear sense of purpose and then making the right day-to-day decisions where they feel that they could stay in that organization long-term and then make a positive impact rather than just turning up for the work. Because otherwise, right. when they see uh, another better opportunity, they will move, right? So actually, there is that awareness. But ac- we do need to drive this change faster because, as you can see, you know, in the speed of environmental changes. And we probably need to think about how we can come together to achieve this faster rather than trying to do it individually. Right. And are you actually, I mean, I'm very curious about this. Are you seeing uh, the uptick and the uptake or maybe the momentum, I'll say, mm-hmm. of different geographies defining people's willingness and interest? I'm, I've always been really fascinated by the idea of, you know, with a lot of places where philanthropy is still emerging and sometimes in, you know, obviously... You know, you've got the the places where it's more established, the U.S., U.K., Australia, New Zealand, Germany, etc. And then there's this really interesting up and coming space where philanthropy is being defined in India and honestly, uh, Japan, China, places of that nature, too, where there's less structure, but in some ways gives more authorship to sort of say, this is where we want to start. Are you seeing that culturally there's different levels of people embracing this concept or how has this gone from from an adoption perspective if we look at it you know geographically mm, yeah i do actually see the you know, cultural difference and geographic difference in the development of business models and ngo philanthropic you know models but what i also see is the strong emergence of social enterprise model 
And social enterprise doesn't necessarily mean the organization structure, you know, how it is registered, for example, because right. any business can become uh, like social enterprise and, and any charitable organizations can become like social enterprise too. So what I see is that these two separate world of philanthropic world and business world are starting to blend and emerge, like merge together. So in different countries or culture or industry, I think this like blend of the business model with uh, philanthropic model, how it is merging together is very different. So in the space of like for example, agriculture, there are lots of social enterprises starting up to solve the, some of the environmental issues whilst producing uh, food in a more sustainable way. And then making that as a business to make its own activities sustainable and benefiting the everyday lives of people. So I feel that walking toward this middle ground is very important for all entities today. That business is without a sense of mission and purpose and some form of social contribution and caring cannot thrive in the new world because, you know, with all the information around us, people actually know, like, uh, the companies, that's not authentic. <laughs> uh, that's actually creating hubs. Like, people know that today. Right. And also at the same time, charities also need to think more like business too and then go toward more of a social enterprise mindset. So at the same time, like whilst they are raising money in the traditional way, they may need to start thinking about how to then leverage on the value that they have and create another source of funding and income or uh, business model. So it is very interesting space to watch and it's really yeah. changing fast as well. Yeah, I mean, there's so many interesting movements. And obviously, I, you know, I know India was obviously the one of the first countries to enshrine this idea of corporate giving and, and some of the stuff that, like you said, started to embed the idea of how do we start to take behaviors or structures that we're either consuming or moving through as individuals or businesses and start to align that to charitable giving and structures. And I think that, you know, the, I think that was like April... 2014 or something like that, they have to give away 2% of their net profit to charity if they have revenues over, you know, $10 billion. And I just thought that was so interesting. Of course, you know, we're now seeing years and years later how people are doing against that and what the biggest, you know, issues were. But it was such just such an interesting way for them, uh, India, to come in and just really bring a level of corporate social responsibility and just from the fringes to the boardroom. You know, it was just a very, a very compelling story. So I definitely, you know, I'm curious to see as people follow suit, what happens there. But that's one, one issue or one, one issue, one example, if you will, of where I've found, you know, some really interesting models coming into play. And I think that your point about where it needs to be is not necessarily doesn't need to be at the government level mandate, but those power of small is something we can all be thinking about. So th that I think are just, those are just ways that we can look at that system from a couple different viewpoints, from highest government into business and obviously to the individuals themselves as they run their own companies and look at how they integrate that philanthropic approach to their business. So all of that said, what do you think is the, the main value of philanthropy? Mm. So I think uh, that comes down to a very simple question about our life. Because all of us here, uh, and all of you who are listening to this, we are all human beings and we are living this life. And then the shared reality that 
we all have is that we were born at one point of time and then one day we will leave here and we don't know what's going to happen after that. So what we are doing is to really try to maximize our life that we have and the time we have on this planet. So I feel that actually on the day by day, people get too busy and worried about what they can get. <laughs> but then actually the real joy and the real meaning of life is quite often about what we can give and share. And so I think in the more like a commercial world that it is today, and we have a more convenience than ever before, and we have a more abundance than before. And, you know, we can access all sorts of things that we never had before. So it's an amazing time. But at the same time, one thing that is easily neglected in this time is the real sense of meaning and purpose or a real sense of connection or the real interaction and desire to give and desire to help and finding the joy in helping and giving. So I think philanthropic activities are actually a great way to bring that back to us because when we are giving, we are not thinking about what's in it for me. And it's really rare to have that kind of opportunity in our day-to-day -day life today. So I feel that actually there is a tremendous value in what the nonprofit organizations and philanthropic uh, organizations are doing today. Thank you, Masami, so much. I think we'll end this podcast on a rapid fire note. I'm going to run you through a series of short, quick questions, and I encourage you sure. to respond with the very first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Um, all right. So if you could snap your fingers and instantly fix one of the world's pervasive problems, which one would it be and why? Oh, people feeling not good enough. If you could go to dinner with anybody in philanthropy, living or historical, who would be your dinner partner? Oh, I don't know. It could be a bit challenging dinner to have, but I would love to have <laughs> a dinner with Gandhi. <laughs> there you go. Fantastic. All right. What's a vacation or activity that you are most looking forward to doing this year? Oh, actually, as soon as the borders are open, I would love to go back to Japan. <laughs> oh, yes. Wonderful. Well, Masami, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing more about yourself, your work, B1G1, and all the amazing things that are coming of that effort. Our listeners can learn more about B1G1 at B1G1.com, which will be linked in the episode description. You can listen and download our episodes at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, directly from our website at flux.io. That's F-L-U-X-X.io. 